Well, good morning, everyone. Here we're with our next installment of Business Banter with Mike Brady from IMG Energy. Welcome, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time to talk on my little podcast here with business owners. And as I normally do, I'm going to sort of keep with my normal system here and have you start off by just giving us some personal background about yourself and where are you from? How'd you start doing? What have you done in your career? All right. Well, the where am I from is always a tough one because I tell people I'm from nowhere. They're like, well, where were you born? Well, I was born in New York City, but Pittsburgh is the 23rd place I've lived. So I bounced around a bunch, been in Pittsburgh for a little over five years, moved here with my wife. My two kids are grown and on their own, one living in Atlanta and one in Austin, Texas. Um, so we decided to become city dwellers and not live out in the suburbs. We are enjoying Pittsburgh. Uh, people here are fantastic. And, but my view of Pittsburgh before I moved here, the last time I had seen it prior to 2017 was 1979. Oh. So I was pleasantly surprised when I came through the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Like, holy crap, it's really nice here now. Yeah. So again, did you say maybe I missed what was the, did work bring you to Pittsburgh or what was the connection? Yes. Yep. Okay. Work brought me here. So the opportunity with IMG to help lead their growth in distributed gas generation, as well as we, we moved into renewable energy building solar PV projects. So here in 2017 as the CEO, we've been working on our growth strategy ever since. Great. Well, before we get to the, the business side, which you talked a little bit there a minute ago, um, I think we have to have a at least a brief overview of your recent trip because I was fascinated hearing about it, and I think you've done a few of those. But give a... It was interesting. So this trip, somebody says, why, why Mount Kilimanjaro? And it goes back to a Monty Python Flying Circus skit from the early 1970s where they were spoofing climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And I had no idea where that was or what it was. And I pulled my parents' encyclopedia off the bookshelf and looked up. I thought, I'd be really cool to climb someday. So in my early 30s, I was going to do it, but my career got in the way. I think actually money got in the way the first time, not having the money. In my career, and uh, fast forward 20-something years later, the same guy that was going to do it with me in, when were we looking at, 1999, 2000? He and I climbed, and his son joined us. Uh, we had a group of nine of us. And it was six days up, three days down, and it was a really cool trip. I won't say it was all fun because that would be a lie. <laughs> there were some really tough parts when it was intermittently raining, snowing, blowing. You know, we saw every bit of weather. You're sleeping in tents. There are periods where there's significantly less oxygen. So it, uh, it was interesting, but getting uh, up was very cool. And a and then you did something have, when you got to the bottom, right? Didn't you? You went on a safari or something? Was it? I did. So we did a two-day safari. Uh, nothing spectacular, but you know we're in Africa. Difficult to get over there, so we thought we would add a short safari onto the trip as well. And then we'll we'll fit we'll finish up and we'll go on a little bit of business stuff. But obviously, international traveler is that one of your passions in terms of? It seems like you do a lot of traveling. You've lived obviously yeah. a lot of places. Yeah, my wife and I just got back in September from a month in Spain and Portugal, oh. and the, in the Azores. So it was a working vacation. I was 
working during the day and exploring at night and she was full on exploring because she's retired. So we spent a month just moving from Airbnb to Airbnb, you know, every two to five days we were in another city, just immersing ourselves in the culture. So yes, I do enjoy doing that kind of stuff. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, sort of, you know, boy, so it seems the personal and the business sort of mix very well here for you, your personality. Why don't you give me a little background on what have you done with your career up to this point? And I, I know you've done many different things, but maybe you can give us a little overview on the history. Well, I started my career with General Electric, moved through four different businesses with GE, ultimately ending up in their power business. And that was really the kickoff of my power career because I went from GE's power business to Pratt & Whitney's power business. I did a short stint at Home Depot in the corporate office there, which was more about not moving my family than being excited about moving out of the power space. I just had moved them so many times. Pratt & Whitney was looking at moving us to Hartford, Connecticut. And so I started looking at, you know, how do I stay in Atlanta, Georgia for the time being. So short stint at Home Depot, then went down to Houston uh, to be part of the executive team of a power services company that did the same thing in Missouri and ultimately landed here in Pittsburgh as the CEO of IMG Energy Solutions. So I've been pretty much in the power space since 1998, but aircraft engines, which is interrelated with the power space since you're dealing with the same type of technology. I started with GE aircraft engines back in the early 1980s. So pretty much a power guy my whole career working for OEM service companies and now leading a independent power producer where we build, own, and operate power assets. Uh, we've branched out to building in a, for others, but operating and maintaining those plants for others, such as the Pittsburgh airport. We are biggest success story here in Pittsburgh where we were a part of a team that built the microgrid at the airport that has our 20 megawatt gas reciprocating engine design that People's Gas owns. We operate that for them, but then we also own the solar array at the airport, which was our first foray into the solar space. And here today, we have about 12 active projects in development to continue to grow out utility-scale solar in Western Pennsylvania and um, a few in Eastern Ohio. Great, great. So that's my question. So you're are you focused uh, nationally or like, is there a lot in the, the Western Pennsylvania region or is most of this more in other places than- That's than a local? great question. So our focus is really uh, central to Pennsylvania and surrounding states. I think we have the skill set to be competitive in other markets, but there's plenty of growth opportunity here. If we were to move into say Texas or the West Coast, uh, we would have to staff up with a development team there. Uh, and we think that focusing on where we are and, and a lot of the opportunity right here in our backyard is the best use of our resources today. Great. We are you know, opportunistically looking at other projects in other states. We've been involved in uh, some projects being looked at in Arizona, Colorado, California. Uh, nothing has, has hit yet, but um, we're open to looking outside the state and then we've really gotten into an interesting space with 
uh, a space called controlled environment agriculture. So I'll start by saying it, it's not marijuana. Uh, it's growing greens, um, but it is aquaculture where uh, the folks that we are working with will be uh, farming fish and using the nutrients from the fish to feed the plants. So they need heat, they need cooling, they need CO2 and they need power. And we can do all of those, a lot of it using the waste energy off of our gas reciprocating engine technology where we produce the power and we use the heat and the exhaust to harvest the heat or heating and cooling opportunities and some of the CO2 for dosing uh, the plants in the greenhouse. So that opportunity is multi-state. Uh, we're working with a group that has aspirations to be very large, uh, not just in the US, but globally. Uh, their first project will be very near to Pittsburgh and we're just now starting to kick off design. So that may be part of our growth outside of the state, but what we're looking at there is building a design that we can repeat over and over again. So because it's indoor growing, they're controlling the environment, it'll standardize both their building and their growing process, as well as the equipment we will have to support them. So it's a unique opportunity that leverages a lot of the skills that we built here at IPG. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so that's its own segment, and I, I know you brought up the airport. Do you, do you have any other sort of niche uh, plays that you're going after? Because I think like you're sort of that, you know, I think of like a college, right? Like some place that wants their own, uh, you know, energy source, self-contained, you know, is that sort of where you're, you're also dabbling in or, or what other kind of like niche markets? Yes. So we're looking at colleges. Colleges are a little more difficult. Uh, they've got, you know, limited space. They're wanting to put things on roofs. So you're dealing with a lot of smaller rooftop type solar. Uh, it becomes more expensive to do. And it it really plays to people who are doing rooftop residential and small commercial rooftop. So we've looked at a couple of opportunities. We're interested in larger ones where you've got all the you know, 20 to 30 acres of roof space, which is considerable. That plays more to our strengths. There are a lot of players in the smaller size. Mm -hmm. So we'll look at those strategically. We'll look at universities where they have land that they either own or adjacent to their property where we can do a larger utility scale solar project that doesn't interfere with other growth they're looking for on their campus. Uh, but like some of the universities here in Pittsburgh, you know, they're in a city environment. You know, I commend them for looking at doing solar, but it's it's a tougher putt for, you know, where our space lie. Uh, we're looking at hospitals. Uh, we're looking at schools, you know, K, you know, K through 12 type of opportunities. Uh, we're looking at large corporations that have goals to move away from carbon-based energy supply. So in those cases, that plays well to our utility scale solar, where we are leasing, you know, large tracts of land, call it 200 to 400 acres of land. We try and find land that's not otherwise usable. So we're not cutting down trees and other things that are good for the environment just to throw up solar. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at places that, you know, were previous coal mines that are just sitting vacant right now. They aren't 
good for building much on them, but they're good flat spaces without trees. It would be good for solar and it tells a great story. You know, we're converting, you know, previous coal mining land to clean energy. That's well to clients that are looking at purchasing that clean energy. And we can do a power purchase agreement where we directly sell the power that we're producing to them. Uh, it goes into the utility grid, but they basically buy it out through a, a retail contract. Makes so that's sense. really the area we're looking at. We're uh, dealing with some issues with the study to connect to the grid because solar and wind and some other energy sources are becoming more prevalent. The amount of applications to connect to the grid has risen substantially and folks like PJM, which is the independent service operator for this part of the country, they're overwhelmed by the number of applications. So we're dealing with a process that used to take 18 months the feasibility and the cost to connect to the grid, it's running out five to six years now. Oh boy. So it's a bit of a challenge, but we believe that there's a long play here in this part of the country. It's not going to be the end all of solving our energy needs, but it plays a part. It's one of the puzzle pieces. There's no perfect energy source today. Coal mm -hmm. is bad, natural gas is much better. Natural gas has gotten a bad name because it's carbon-based, but it's a much smaller carbon footprint than coal. But then when you compare it to wind and solar, it's a, obviously a bigger carbon footprint than something that is zero fuel-based. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to bridge the gap to a renewable future as technologies improve, new technologies come online. We're doing clean burning natural gas and starting to move into solar Wind is not a red expertise. There's a lot of wind opportunities in this part of the country, but that's really where we're playing is utility scale solar throughout the region. And your question, there are some smaller opportunities with strategic customers that we'll look at, but our goal is to put significant megawatts of clean energy onto the grid for Western Pennsylvania. That's great. And you sort of, you know, my, my final question was going to be how you've, you know, see the future of all this, but I think you sort of just answered it. <laughs> you just sort of, you did a very good uh, capsulization what I was gonna ask you is the final question. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, um, I'll tell people to watch for cold fusion becoming commercially viable in the next 10 to 15 years. I think we're gonna see a demonstration plant, maybe 10 years out, maybe 15, but we've been trying to crack the nut on cold fusion, which is, an abundant source of energy. It's what the sun is. It's not fission like you know, our current nuclear, um, but it's got its challenges on how to contain the process. And there are places, some you know, labs like Sandia Labs, there's agencies in France that are starting to make some pretty significant breakthroughs. Again, it's not something that's gonna happen in the next couple of years, but if I'm talking about the future, I'd say that's an interesting technology to watch and that could be the perfect energy solution at some point. I like it. I think there was that old movie, was it Keanu Reeves that uh, it was cold fusion? He like tried to, to harness it. I, don't know if you, I can't, I'll have to go Google uh, it. Could be. I, don't, I don't know that I saw that movie. Uh, it was good. It's something I've watched for years thinking this is a pretty cool technology, but it just, it's harnessing the sun's energy has its challenges. But some of the recent technology improvements on creating, you know, magnetic, spheres to contain it are starting to so 
starting to make it, you know, something that, that most likely will happen in our future. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, I think we're up at time here, but thanks so much for your time, Mike. Fascinating topic and uh, congratulations on your career. And it seems like you're, you know, even at the end here working on some really cool stuff. So uh, hopefully that keeps you going for a while here. It's, so. it's fun. Uh, you know, enjoying what we're doing. We've got a great team here at IMG and we're trying to stay on the cutting edge of commercially viable energy technology. So I appreciate you having me on today. Well, thanks so much. Hold on.